Welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm so excited to have you join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs in the photography industry as we discuss photography, building a business, and still having a life through it all. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom post-production for the wedding and portrait photographer. And now, let's dive into conversation. All right, so as I like to say, we are live. I'm here with my friend, Carrie Swales. And uh, Carrie was gracious enough to come on the podcast with us here kind of last minute. Actually, you sent me an email and reached out and said, hey, I'd love to join the conversation. And I love that. And I'm excited about this topic that we're going to dive into about blogging. Uh, but Carrie, tell us a little bit about yourself first before we, we dive into that, that topic for the day. Oh, where do I start? Um, <laughs> I am... I guess I'm what I would call a serial entrepreneur. I just come up with, I love coming up with ideas and starting businesses. So I started out as a photographer, thought I was going to be the world's greatest gift to newborn photography. Turns out I'm not. Um, moved into <laughs> weddings. <laughs> Is this a decision that you made on your own or feedback that you got from clients? Uh, maybe a little bit of both. Okay. Um, and I, I just think newborn photography is more physically taxing than wedding photography. Um, you're in a hot room and my back always hurt, and I just don't like babies that much. So, <laughs> well, that would probably kind of automatically take you off the list of good baby photographers. Then, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really, I gave it a really good shot, but it just wasn't for me. Uh, and I ended up shooting weddings. And when I took my business full time, I actually started a blog, Photography Awesome Sauce, and thought I would just sort of start writing down things that I learned as I went. Um, cause I've always kind of been into blogging since I was a teenager and we had, um, live journal back then. Yeah. And I just thought if somebody reads it cool and it helps them and if they don't, they don't. And now it's five years later and there have been 8.5 million unique visitors to the website. So it just totally blossomed into a bunch of projects and businesses and different things I never anticipated. So that's a little bit about me as a business owner. That's awesome. Well, and we're going to actually get into the blog and this topic of blogging here in just a second, but I actually want to take a step back. Uh, tell us a little bit about where you're from and where you're based. Um, in fact, we were just chatting about the fact that you've got a blizzard headed your way. Where, where are you at? I am in a very tiny remote town in Colorado. Uh, we call it the Western Slope, but I'm actually much further north on the Western Slope. I'm an hour and a half north of Grand Junction. Live in a town called Rangeley. We don't have a grocery store. Um, <laughs> Do you grow <laughs> so your every, own food? <laughs> yeah, we actually we have big plans for gardening, and we're putting together a greenhouse this summer. Oh wow! That'll that hopefully we can add some solar panels to and heat in winter, so that we can have our own produce year round. That's incredible. But, are, now, are you from that area originally? No, I was actually born in Salt Lake uh, and I've lived all over the world. I've been lucky enough and I've lived all over the U.S. So it's really hard to say that I'm I don't feel like I'm from anywhere, if that makes sense. I've moved most of my life every couple of years. I totally get that. I've, I've lived uh, I actually grew up in Japan and I've lived on both the West Coast and in Washington State. I've lived in Georgia and Tennessee and of course, they've visited a variety of, of places internationally as well as nationally. But um, I, I can totally relate to that that idea of just 
kind of being from everywhere, your, your accents even begin to run together. People don't know where I'm from based on the way that I speak because it just all kind of runs together. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel, so I, I did some growing up in Virginia and I had a, a, a nanny with a thick Southern accent. And so sometimes I think when I'm really tired or maybe I've had one too many glasses of wine, I get a little bit Southern maybe just a tad. <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of comes out of nowhere, huh? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So. Well, your your Facebook profile is one that that stands out to me and and you began to mention the various businesses that you're involved in. We're going to touch on that here in a second, but I, I love your Facebook profile tagline. When you go to just search your name, it says rock your weird. Um it says that you're nerdy and loud and that you photograph less traditional weddings. And you even you've had a site that was called rock your weird. Uh, so you you are needless to say the last thing I mean that that anybody would think is that you kind of fit into the the typical mold of a photographer must much less an individual and and uh, so I, I want to understand a little bit better where that all comes from where does this drive to be different come from? Well, I would I guess I would first say I don't feel like I'm driven to be different. I feel like I am just different and I'm driven to embrace it. Um, oh, I like that. I think a lot of people, just in general, not not necessarily photographers, um, hold back and we tend to look up to a lot of leaders in the industry and want to do the same thing as they are doing. But the best thing about being a creative is that there's so many different solutions to a problem and you can be whoever you want to be. There's a million ways to run your business. There's a million ways to accomplish the same thing. And I just am willing to own that I'm very different. I've always been a weirdo since I was a little kid. So I just <laughs> so go with it. <laughs> what is what does being a weirdo when you're a little kid look like? Well, I mean, like we talked about, I moved around a lot. So I had to go to a lot of new schools, make new friends quickly. Um, I just always felt different. I was often teased, made fun of because I was different and I was into different things. In high school, I was that kid playing Dungeons and Dragons with my friends during my lunch hour. Yes. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I we would spend our weekends going to Renaissance Festival, dressing up in costumes, even at school for movie releases. Um, that's just, and I'm willing to be that person, I guess, because that's what I love. And I, I think, you know, you only live life once, so you might as well do it as loud as possible. Hey, absolutely. And you even have, is it purple hair right now or are you, you're onto a different color? Um, I went from dark purple to pastel to, uh, kind of like really bright fake red to, uh, right now it's actually brown with like a purple streak in it. So I love it. Yeah. Why not mix it up? Life's short, have a little bit of fun. Yeah. Be interesting, right? The, the metaphor that comes to mind and this always kind of cracks me up, but it's also a good reminder for me. Um, you talk about how it's easy to just kind of follow the so-called leaders in the photography industry or even just your peers uh, and do what they're doing. Um, the metaphor that comes to mind is uh, how we as just human beings tend to kind of be like sheep, even when it comes down to something as simple as coming up to a red light. And let's say you're coming up to a red light and there you, you want to turn left and there are actually two left-hand turn lanes, but everybody kind of files in to this one turn lane. And because the car in front of you is doing it or a few cars in front of you are doing it, you follow suit. 
and then the, this line begins to build up while there's this wide open second turn lane. If you just go, you know, go over one lane, there's this wide open second turn lane there available for any and everybody to, to jump in. And yet nobody does because they just assume because everyone else is in that one turn lane. That's the direction that they have to go. Um, and maybe that's a little bit of a rough metaphor, but I, I, th I think that we have a tendency as human beings to follow what most people are doing when there's maybe a very obvious alternative right there in front of us that is kind of wide open for the taking and, and it's not as crowded, right? So we have the opportunity to set ourselves apart in that, which I think is a great segue then to how being different, if you will, has affected the way that you run your business and the, and the clients you attract. How has that given you an opportunity to set yourself apart from other photographers in the industry? That's a good question. And I like that analogy. Sometimes um, I, I heard from a friend of mine, Chip, at Blogstomp, he calls it the zombie analogy in the photography industry. It's just like a zombie movie. Yes. There's all these zombies outside of the door clawing their way in, only one or two end up inside because those are the ones that figured out they can go through the window. Um, <laughs> right. That's <laughs> so, a great analogy. I love it. I love that. That's why I thought I'd share it. But um, yeah, I think what, I guess being different has been easy for me in business because there is a huge group of people who are getting married who I think like me when I was younger, didn't ever see themselves in a, in, you know, a bridal magazine. Maybe they don't see themselves in that white dress they grew up playing Dungeons and Dragons and wearing costumes. And those were the kids in school who I think were maybe the most authentic. And those people, when it comes to weddings, they're just the wedding industry is not made for them. So I think, you know, I tend to attract people that I can be an advocate for with my clients. Um, they want somebody who understands that they're going to do something different and that they don't have to fit into that ad in the Knott's magazine on the shelf in the grocery store. Um, but I want my clients to feel like they deserve to feel that way at the same time. So I really think that's how it's affected my business is that I attract these people who are super authentic and they own whatever they're passionate about. They're amazing to work with. And by being in such a small niche, they really trust me. So um, working with my clients has always been very easy and I haven't had a lot of troubles just because they love hanging out. We end up becoming really good friends just because we have so much in common. That's and so. And what have you done to to attract that type of client? How do you put yourself out there to rock your weird, if you will, uh, in such a way that clients are like, oh, I want to work with her. She I, I can her message or her brand resonates with me. How do you put yourself out there so that you attract that type of client? Oh, I think first it starts on your website. And I think it also comes, you have to not be afraid to just say how you feel. I think I even felt this way at one point as a photographer, I was afraid to kind of put my beliefs and my thoughts and my morals out there because I wanted, I didn't want anybody to feel bad about working with me. But what I've learned is that I'd rather polarize people and have them go to my website and be like, I don't want to work with her or go to my website and feel like, yes, she is exactly what I want to hire. So right. it kind of starts on my website for me. That's where people go. They read about my bio. I took a long time writing a bio that I felt had the kind of vibe that I like. And then adding in small bits here and there, small nerdy things. Um, if you go to my wedding photography website, my logo is star Wars font. Um, 
my blogs is something about muggles, which is a Harry Potter reference. You can fill <laughs> out a contact form in Harry Potter mode. No way. Mode. Yeah. That's awesome. So they're just small details that I think resonate with my clients a lot. And I think the second part of that is that you can put your personality out there and um, connect with people that way. But if you're not backing it up with quality work, it doesn't really do a whole lot for you. So it's really important to me that I'm taking important photos instead of just pretty ones. Interesting. So How would you differentiate beautiful. the two? I mean, pretty photos, obviously, but well, certainly from the standpoint of a photographer, a photographer loves to look at pretty photos. We, I was just chatting with, um, we're working right now and hiring somebody to come on board to, to manage social media for the photographer's edit brand. And, you know, the commonplace thing to do in the photo industry is to share pretty photos. Photographers like to look at pretty photos. I think the average person likes to look at pretty photos. But how do you differentiate between just simply pretty photos and important photos? What does that mean? I think when I think of a pretty photo, I think of, you know, a bride standing there. Maybe she's posed looking just over her shoulder. She's wearing a beautiful dress. She's a beautiful person. But there's nothing else happening in that image. So it's not telling a story to me. I like, for me, important photos are ones that are full of expression and laughter and joy where something is happening and they're not perfect. A pretty photo is something where you've been posed, your chin is just right, every finger is perfectly placed. But an important photo is something that just happens and it's a beautiful moment and it can tell a story by itself. I love it. So yeah, it tells a story, it's raw, and it's expressive. I, I used to, to say I could, and I was a photographer for about 10 years, but I, I, I can take a, I, I can create a beautiful engagement session in a Walmart parking lot if I just have some decent light and, I, I, and, a, and a, an emotive couple, right, where I'm actually yes. capturing images that are emotive. And, and if you have decent light and great emotion from these clients, uh, you can get a beautiful image pretty much any and everywhere, whether it's a Walmart parking lot or, you know, in a beautiful field or wherever it might be. But I, I totally understand what you're saying there. And, and I love the differentiation between creating something that is perfect by, I guess, industry standards uh, versus something that actually is going to communicate a story in a way that is going to resonate with people on an emotional level. I think that's really, really powerful. Now, you're a photographer. And how long have you been a photographer? Oh, man. I started in college, uh, photographed a couple weddings here or there on film and with a point and shoot. Um, I graduated college 2008, so roughly 10 years. So maybe. about 10 years. Okay. Yeah. But the you... first few years, not so good. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been photographing professionally, would you say? Full time. I went full time in 2012. Okay, cool. So about five years then. Now, you're a photographer, but you mentioned earlier your involvement in this this blog or starting this blog called Photography Awesome Sauce. Over 8 million unique visits or visitors. Tell us the story behind, or a little bit more detailed story. I know you started to get into it earlier, but take us through this process of starting this blog, um, the significance of it to, to you, and then, of course, to your photography brand. Yeah, so I have I have my degree in K through twelve art ed. I'm actually a licensed teacher in the state of Colorado. Um, so teaching has always been something very very important to me, and I just think access to knowledge and to options and with the internet, it's so important that you be able to find what you need. So 
when I started the blog, I just thought maybe a couple people read this. Maybe it'll help a couple people. If not, that's okay. Um, but what happened is that I think it was, I started it in April, 2012. And in June, two months later, I had two blog posts I wrote go viral on Pinterest. And I feel like I've been learning backwards ever since because I had no knowledge about blogging. I didn't know what I was doing. And my audience went from maybe 15 visits a day to hundreds of thousands overnight. I actually broke the shared server that I was on. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, it was really crazy. What and were the posts about? One of them is um, 20 things I wish I knew about photography posing. And then the other one is 20 things I wish I knew about manual mode. And they still carry the traffic for the website to this day. Wow, that's amazing. So what, how did that go viral on Pinterest? Did somebody find it and share it or did you? And, and how did that end up turning into something so big? Well, that's what's cool about blogging and Pinterest is that they kind of go hand in hand. And you don't need a big blog audience or a big following on Pinterest to have something go viral. I just was taking what I wrote and pinning it to my own Pinterest account. And I did not have very many followers, maybe a hundred or so. And it showed up in search results for a few well-known Pinterest users. They were repinning it. They liked the content. And then from there, their accounts were repinning, you know, hundreds of thousands of people had pinned these things. And um, that's kind of where it went. And so then I started doing even more of that. And I guess some people would say I got in Pinterest early because now it's easy for me and I don't have to pay for the advertising, but I still think this concept of blogging and pinning your own posts and work on Pinterest can work for anyone, no matter how many followers or how many readers you have. That's really interesting. I would never have guessed, and I guess this shows my, my lack of knowledge when it comes to, well, at least Pinterest anyway, I would never have made the association between Pinterest and blogging. That's, that's quite interesting. Yeah. Well, Pinterest is what I like to call a discovery platform. So it's just essentially a visual search engine. Right. And that's, I guess that's where my assumption lies is it is a place that you go and you scan through a bunch of images and you create these boards that are relevant to whatever your interest is at the time. But it just, the connection between that and blogging is not one that I would have made. So that's, that's really interesting. So this turned into something that has generated over 8 million unique visitors. How does that then affect your photography business? Have you actually gained clients from that or is it just a whole separate venture? I have gained a few clients here or there. Um, what's really funny is that I wrote a blog post that also went viral and it was called, it was just like a list. I made it for photographers, 54 must have wedding photos. And it's just like all those moments. Cause I was teaching wedding photographers. They were like, I've never been to a wedding. What, what are the important things to pay attention to? So it's a really basic list. Like make sure you get a picture of the couple and their parents, you know? Um, it's, it's so basic that what I didn't anticipate was that a bunch of brides would go on Pinterest and pin it. So um, I actually had clients not realize that I wrote it and they send it to me. Hey, here's our shot list. That's hilarious. <laughs> and I'm like, that's great because I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> that's really awesome. Um, I've gotten a few clients from Photography Awesome Sauce, but not a lot. I get a lot of my clients, though, through blogging and Pinterest, even on my own personal photography business, which doesn't have a huge following on the blog either. 
So that actually brings, that's a great segue, in fact, to, to my, my main question um, as part of this interview. Understanding that you have extensive experience creating a blog that has generated so much traffic. Um, blogging and how it relates to a photography business. Is blogging relevant in 2017 to running a photography business? Because, you know, five years ago, let's say, or even maybe six, seven, eight years ago, blogging was kind of the platform for photographers to share their latest work. And that seems to have kind of transitioned to Facebook. Uh, Facebook's an easy platform to post to, both text and image content. And, and people are spending their time, probably most of their time, of, of any platform online on Facebook, uh, on their phones, as well as, of course, on their, their desktops or their laptops. So is, is blogging relevant to photographers in 2017? Is there still a benefit to being on a blogging platform as well as Facebook or instead of Facebook? And, and if so, what is that benefit? So that's a good question. And I love this question because I kind of agree and disagree with your perspective of it. Okay. Photographers are spending a lot of time on Facebook, I think, because back, you know, five, six years ago, we were all, you know, using our business pages to reach clients. And it was easy for us then because Facebook's algorithm didn't kind of punish us for posting content. So what I actually think is happening is that photographers are still posting on Facebook and we're actually struggling to reach our audience there if we're not paying to do posts or we're not using live video, which is what Facebook is really promoting right now. So I don't think that people are necessarily switching to Facebook over blogging. I think, um, I think we're just kind of behind the times in some ways, but I think our clients are still reading blogs. They're still doing Google searches they're on Instagram, they're on Pinterest, and it's up to us to kind of pick and choose which platforms to be on. But I don't, I definitely wouldn't say blogging is dying at all. I would say Facebook maybe is dying. Um, but blogging has been around since 1998. And WordPress actually is the basis for like 25, I think, percent of the websites on the internet. Yes. So when people are reading Huffington Post and BuzzFeed articles, those are all blogs. Um, so blogging is still this thing. I just think it's maybe changed to a place for maybe meteor long form content. Um, people are using it to build cornerstone and evergreen content that you can um, pull up from your archives and share over and over and over again. But I would encourage photographers to use blogging more because it's something that you actually own. So when Facebook has is kind of dying and we spent all this time building up all these thousands of followers on our business pages. And now we don't have that same access to those followers we work so hard for. That can happen on any platform. But if you have a blog, you own that. Um, it's that, always going to be available. Sense. And that makes sense. Now, to, to be clear, Facebook's not dying in the sense that people aren't using it. I think they've got 2 billion users, uh, yeah. active users on their platform now. But when you say it's dying, it's it's the, the algorithms that you mentioned earlier that are affecting it's how much of for- your your content's yeah. actually being seen by clients or potential clients. Is that right? It's, yeah, it's dying for business owners for being a good place for photographers especially to use if you're not if you're not willing to do sponsored posts and live video, I don't think you're ever going to be able to get the same kind of um, engagement that you used to be able to get five years ago. That makes sense. Yeah, that organic reach. So yeah. the fact that you own the blog content or the blog itself, of course, but the, the content on that and and can promote it, share it, 
uh, in any way that you choose uh, is extremely powerful. Are there particular ways that you that you drive traffic to the blog? I mean, are you actually sharing that blog content on Facebook or how do you expect for your clients or potential clients to, to see that content on the blog? So I think my main way of driving traffic to my blog is either with SEO or with Pinterest. Um, and then my goal is that I don't want to just have people go to my blog and read. I need to convert them into something, right? Um, and I don't necessarily want to convert them into followers on other social media platforms because then I, I don't own those things. Even if I convert them to a follower on Pinterest or on Instagram, I don't own those things. And you never know what those will look like in five years. So I think it's a great idea to develop an email basically an email list off of your blog, use that to convert your readers into followers. And I would actually urge people to use maybe blog once a week, put out your, you know, blog a wedding, share their story, and then maybe write some useful, resourceful content tips that can help your potential clients that's exclusive to an email list and start gaining followers that way and only send out that content on an email list. That's interesting. Now, so I wouldn't I wouldn't have assumed that this would be a good approach to to marketing to photography clients. You know, when you have a business like Photographers Edit, for example, or uh, any industry specific business that is trying to sell a service or a product, the notion of creating content that's a value add to to pull someone in that you know where hopefully they'll either later invest in your service or your product. Um, or at least be interested enough to continue to follow you where maybe they'll make an investment down the line. That, that makes more sense to me, but you're actually talking about creating content to build a fan base for your photography business, and that's, that's really interesting to me. So talk to us a little bit about the type of content that you write and create for your blog readers. Well, And, and, and most... I guess maybe just to add to that, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the, the email, you're talking about sending emails out to those readers or to the subscribers. What kind of content would you put in those emails? I think that's, um, I think you're definitely right. It's something photographers don't do or haven't historically taken advantage of. But what's cool about photographers is that whether you're a wedding photographer or a newborn photographer, you probably have more experience with weddings and newborns than most of your clients will. You know, if you've been a wedding photographer for 10 years, you've been to hundreds of weddings. Do you know how much great advice and experience that you can provide to clients and be a resource for them, which I think builds trust. And once you've made that connection over trust and somebody sees you as an authority, that's when they're going to book you, refer you, whatever. Um, so for me, writing out content as a wedding photographer, it's just using stuff I know from my own experience, having been to so many weddings. What can I do? What kind of information can I offer that can help kind of ease the pain of planning a wedding or take some stress off? or give them some real live tips from somebody who's actually going to be involved in the day. If somebody's hired you, you've already kind of won and they're going to trust you to know more than what they know. I, you know, I think a lot of wedding photographers can probably say that they've had clients email and say, I've never done this before. Well, yeah, most people haven't planned a wedding before. Right. Um, so I write a lot of articles like how to, top 10 things you should know about, you know, wedding dress bustles, um, my favorite wedding venues in Colorado. And I link to them. I link to posts that I've done that share my own photos at those venues. Um, so it's a great way to kind of provide a tool 
you know, help somebody out and hopefully get a booking in return. I've actually had people who have never booked me, but have loved the content on my website. Maybe I was out of their price range, um, but they've referred me to friends who they know can book me. And it's intriguing to receive referrals from people who you've never photographed with, but they've found that connection with you. And they just think that what you're doing is useful and helpful and that you'd be a great fit for their best friend. When they see you as an authority, that's interesting. Now, this is a common thread. I mean, it's something that you hear in the realm of content creation, content that will hopefully add value to, as I mentioned earlier, a potential client, which will hopefully translate down the road to converting that person to a client. That means that a lot of people, or you would assume anyway, that a lot of people are doing this out there. But what you're saying is you're you're maybe a, a bit of a unique case in that not a lot of photographers have taken this approach to establishing themselves as an authority, creating content that adds value to the potential photography um, clients. And so maybe you're a bit unique in this or what have you found? I haven't found a lot of people doing it, but I have been teaching it. So I've been seeing more photographers getting into it. Okay. I think a lot of photographers say they want to start blogging and they automatically think I'm going to blog tips and then they just uh, default to kind of what they know, which is photography. And they start writing tips about photography, gear, business on their blog, which might be great for getting readers and visitors and numbers from other photographers, but it's not necessarily bringing in people who are actually going to book you and pay the bills. Right. Uh, I'd love to see more of, you know, even newborn family, high school, senior photographers, they can all do this because you interact with that population on a regular basis. You know, what's in what's trendy, what questions people have, what they struggle with. Um, as photographers, I think we're naturally very observant so if you take the time to really sit down and go, what are, what are, what kind of problems are my potential clients having that I can solve for them? Start putting that content out on your blog. That's incredible. Well, and, and not only are you helping them out, but then, as I mentioned earlier, they see you as an authority in the topic. And, and then it makes sense that somebody who's never used you as, or had you as a photographer, um, is is referring their friends to you because they see you as that authority and, and you've given something of, of value to them. So that's really, really great. Um, so this notion of creating content that's a value add to the potential client, that's a major first step in, in a photog- for a photographer who's wanting to develop a blog. Are there any other tips uh, or recommendations that you would make when it comes to creating a blog that's actually valuable for a photography business? I would say maybe... In terms of consistency, try to blog at least once a week. Um, that's something I know it's hard to do. People just hate sitting down and blogging. I hate it too. I don't feel like a writer. But every time I do it, I get more inquiries. And it makes my clients feel really good about, you know, if I'm blogging their wedding or something. Um, I think, too, photographers often think that everything we're blogging is for future clients or when we're blogging, you know, the latest family session we just shot that's to put an advertisement out to get future clients, right? To show them our work. But it's also important to just tell your current client stories as well. So when you're sharing your own work, I think in order to be a real storyteller, you need to make sure that you're writing things and not just saying, I'm going to let the photos speak for themselves and fill up a blog post with 30 images. Um, Clients love to see, I mean, to see themselves through your eyes. That's 
they've hired you because they love your photography and they love the way you tell a story. So if you add words into those kind of posts, your clients are going to become um, basically walking, talking billboards. They love hearing how you see their love for each other or their love for their kids, that kind of thing. So I, I recommend making sure you're taking the time to write just a couple paragraphs when you do share photos. I see a lot of photographers who just don't say anything or we talk about the weather um, or how great the couple was or we say that they're our favorite session. <laughs> we can't say that about everybody, right? Right. Yeah, there's there's those cle- I mean, I was guilty of it too back when when I was creating blog blog posts for our photography business. It was that, you know, it was a great session today. We had so much fun or there's these kind of stereotypical three or four lines that that we all use in our blog posts and I mean, it, it just takes a little bit of effort and creativity to get, kind of break out of that. But yeah, uh, yeah, getting a little bit of creative and actually telling a story. I, I love that notion of telling a story and it, it kind of romanticizes the whole process, particularly for the client. They get to come back and read that and how you see them and their story. I bet that just makes them that much more excited about what you've done for them. Yeah, it actually sort of cements the deal. At, you know, you've delivered the photos, they've ordered products, and I always wait quite a long time to post a blog post because I'm slow and I'm busy and I fail. Um, but by the time I do post it, even if it's six months later, the clients end up reposting it on their Facebook. And if I follow through and kind of look at my stats, I can see that I've had, you know, 600 posts and it's because their entire network has shared it because they love the story. Wow. Um, you know, people who weren't able to attend the wedding or something, there's something personal. And I struggle too if not talking about the weather and I'm always trying to do a better job making sure I get to know my clients really well so that I can tell their story. I think it makes taking photos easier if you really get to know them. But yeah, it just helps build a really good sense of well-being, love for you. And when that blog post spreads like wildfire after they share it on their Facebook, then you've got a bunch more people knocking down your door and saying, we just love the way you told Susan's story and we want to book you. Absolutely. It's so powerful. And what great recommendations and advice. Um, I'm, I'm learning from this myself. So I, I really appreciate this information. Uh, before we close out this, this conversation, though, I'm, I'm really curious, and this is kind of a theme for us here at the Boca Podcast. We certainly dive into photography as a business and how to run our photography businesses more effectively in various areas of the business. But um, how do you create freedom for yourself as a business owner? I, I know that this is something that I've said so many times before, but I see running our own business, being an entrepreneur, being a business owner, probably the primary benefit, um, or at least what I think should be the primary benefit is the, the freedom, the flexibility that we can have as business owners. And yet it's so easy to get caught up, and I've certainly been guilty of it, to get caught up in the process of running a business and then not really capitalize on that. So how do you create some of that freedom, that time for yourself, or for your husband, um, that time to do things besides photography? How do you create that freedom for yourself? Well, a lot of it's come from automation. So I own four separate businesses, um, which makes it really tough. I could be totally bogged down with social media, content creation, blogging, etc. Um, but I automate a lot of processes behind the scenes. So emails, social media, all kinds of stuff. So that really the only kind of stuff I have to do on a day-to-day basis is edit photos, write blog posts, and um, maybe create videos or or courses for my other businesses, which are the things that I like to do the most. Um, So I actually work maybe on average 
30 hours a week on a busy week. And, um, just because I, I really value time for myself. I'm very introverted. Maybe you wouldn't believe that from my website, (laughs) but I am. Um, and I just, I love having alone time, but I take guitar lessons once a week, even though I'm so bad at playing the guitar and I make sure that I read every day. Um, my husband, he just got this job up here recently and he's come from a, a place where he was working 70 hours a week never having any days off. So we're really excited to be in this little town with no grocery store just because it means that now when I have the free time, he actually has it and we can spend that time together. Um, That's incredible. So So, I mean, yeah, that's how I make it. When you talk about automation, are you you using other particular tools that you would recommend um, photographers take a look at that that you've seen a lot of benefit from? Yeah, I use use a, a pretty good handful. I automate as much as possible. I use Pixify to automate email communications with clients and I actually tie it into blogging. So all these resourceful blog posts I will link to and send out in emails periodically to my clients to help them out along the way, kind of anticipate when they're going to have a question about timelines and already have sent them an email that has five links to timeline tools. Um, So I do that because then instead of having to remember to email them and send them content, they just reply. And that's been amazing for me. And Pixify's automation email system is great. And then I use Shootproof. They are actually, I think, the only online gallery system that has an automated email system where once the online gallery is delivered, I have a year's worth of email automations going through there to help sell product. Um, and then I use for social media, I actually use a tool called Schedugram, which okay. is the only thing that fully automates Instagram. So it doesn't just send a reminder to your phone. You make it go live. It actually just does it all for you. And then I use Meet Edgar as for Facebook and Twitter. Um, what I love about Meet Edgar is that it's a queuing tool. And a lot of these other companies have come out with tools for creating a queue. But Edgar lets you create a library of updates however big you want and then it just alternates through them repeatedly so i actually have just loaded up my whole portfolio in there and it posts one photo a day seven days a week wow and um then i copy that over onto my schedule and that way even when i'm not busy i'm putting out content regularly at least and then i can add more spontaneous posts and feel kind of the freedom to add whatever i want versus going, oh my gosh, what should I post today? Um, Because I think we don't realize that a lot of photographers post like one sneak peek after a wedding. You know, maybe they follow it up in the next couple weeks with a couple more, but they don't ever post those photos again. And our work is awesome, right? If you love what you do, you can reshare that. There's always going to be somebody who hasn't seen it yet. For sure. So that's what I do. And when you're creating that that content for, or, or I guess importing that content into Meet Edgar, and you post that or automate the posting process, do you it, are you writing text to go along with that, or is it usually just the image on its own? It's I do have text that goes along with it. So, um, just the nice thing about Edgar is that you go and you create a library, you assign your updates to categories, and then you assign those categories to a schedule. So I have mine. Just for an example, um, Sundays, it posts like a wedding prep photo, Monday's ceremony, Tuesday's a couple, Wednesday's wedding party or detail shot, 
Thursday's a couple, Friday's a reception photo, and Saturday's an engagement photo. And then within that, each category, I have a library of a minimum 52 photos. Wow. So that it cycles once a year. That's incredible. Wow. That this is you you've just offered enough uh enough resources for photographers to be busy for the next couple of weeks, I think. So <laughs> Well, the is... nice thing is it just takes so much um energy out of deciding what to put on social media. Right. Cuz I think you've probably heard people talk about decision-making energy. For and sure. I don't want to sit down and have to decide what to post every day. I want it to just happen and then use that energy for creating content, helping my clients, the important stuff. Wow. That's really incredible. I do have one last question about this though. And this is actually something I was reading recently and doing some research about, um, creating and posting social media content, but that is using a third party tool to post to Facebook. Does that affect its, its natural ranking in the Facebook feed to use a third party tool? Or do you know anything about that? I don't know a ton about it. Um, to be honest, at this point, I'm kind of of the mindset that I don't care. <laughs> sure. I just post to Facebook as sort of like a courtesy in case anybody wants to see it. But other than that, I pretty much ignore Facebook. Well, I guess the key there is consistency and, and content and, and sharing of content. Uh, yep. it, it just makes such a big difference that somebody can go to that, whether it's a Facebook platform or Instagram or um, I, I'm not sure if you're using Twitter or not, but your blog, certainly the fact that you're consistently posting to those platforms, that there is always fresh content. That's the key here. And back to the original question, the fact that you've automated this has created freedom for yourself. For maybe, so maybe the trade-off, if there is any trade-off there, the trade-off is certainly worth it because you've saved so much time as a result. So that's, wow, what a, what yeah. a great um, what a great piece or pieces of information, just I a would- load of information. I really appreciate you sharing that. I would just add to that, that people who are looking into this, a lot of people go to meetedgar.com and they see sticker shock. It's pretty expensive, but people are often asking in Facebook groups, like, I want to hire somebody to help me out with my social media. It's cheaper to automate it than it is to hire somebody. You can automate all your social media for less than a hundred dollars a month. Wow. That's a great resource and a great tool. And we're, we'll certainly link uh, that and the other resources that you mentioned in our show notes. Um, I can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing this wealth of information with our Boca podcast listeners. Where can listeners find you online and, and certainly your companies, the, the projects that you're involved with online as well? Um, well, you can check out my photography at carrieswillsphotography.com. You can go to photographyawesomesauce.com to learn more about how to shoot weddings, how to run your photography business a little bit differently. At Rock Your Weird, I'm actually building out a course on confidence and learning to be confident being yourself. So that's just going to be a place not necessarily for photographers. But um, if you go there, I'm I'm about to release sort of a new website revamp in the next couple of weeks with a lot of information and content about that. And then you can also find me at Made in the Lab, um, madeinthelab.com. I'm a third of the ownership but I don't do any of the graphic design. <laughs> yeah, and, and tell, tell the photographers a little bit more about what Made in the Lab is about. I had the opportunity to be a part of that just recently. Yeah, it's we're all about creating affordable website design options on Show Up 5, and we're hoping to branch out to other online platforms for website building in the future. But we really love what Show Up 5 does, and it's easy system to build on. So we've created a a yearly subscription for $199 and you can get access to all of our templates and we have lots of extra tools, icons, buttons, arrows, 
and basically take bits and pieces from multiple templates to create a totally custom website. So that's what we're all about is helping kind of the DIY photographer build their website. Perfect. And then lastly, tell us where um, the photographers, our listeners can find you on Instagram, because I know they're going to want to check out your work. You, uh, I'm Carrie Swales on Instagram. Perfect. Perfect. Carrie, thank you so much for setting time aside uh, in your relatively busy work week um, to make time to chat with our listeners for sharing all this wonderful information. Um, can't thank you enough. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast. If you'd like to hear a particular photographer or entrepreneur in a future episode, don't hesitate to email me, nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom post-production for the wedding and portrait photographer.